And welcome back to another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and it's time to preview the Bearcats and Tigers. That's right. I know I'm a week early. Believe me, I know. But uh, the idea behind this, I wanted to give you a week to listen to this podcast. And uh, I, I didn't want to drop it next Thursday on, on kickoff. And so uh, if, if you are listening to this on Thursday, of course, tonight will be the uh, green-white scrimmage up at uh, Bearcat Stadium, which I will be attending with my son Eli, who will be joining me later on in the podcast. So we will talk about that next week. And I'll kind of tell you my idea, although I've hinted at it, I'll tell you about some of the specific guests that will be joining me next week as it's kind of an exciting kind of season opening special, if you will, that uh, is kind of designed to, if you are going to the game next Thursday, you can listen to it on your way to the game. Speaking of listening to it on on the way to your game, and, and I know there, I, you may be new to the podcast. If you are, thank you so much for listening. If you're, uh, if you're not, Thank you so much for listening. But if you are one of the newer listeners, I would encourage to go back and listen to some of the uh, older episodes, these kind of one-on-one interviews with former Bearcats and coaches and things. I think will be a, um, you know, a great soundtrack as you, uh, if, if you're not in Maryville as you're driving to the game or as you're driving to um, you know, all the different away games that the Bearcats will have this season, kind of give you an opportunity to uh, catch up on what's been going on and those off-season episodes are kind of the perfect listen anytime. They're not really time specific, unlike um, you know these these in-season type episodes. But even though we are still a week away, we don't have depth charts yet to talk about. We uh, um, you know we haven't you know again the, the scrimmage uh, has not been played as of time of recording. But uh, there will be. A little bit more to talk about that as far as next week, but I think we have a pretty good idea of what uh, of what both of these teams are, of what the Bearcats and Tigers both are. So there's a lot to talk about. Joining me on this week's uh, episode of Bleeding Green, voice of the Bearcats, John Coffey will be joining me. Voice of the Tigers, Gerard Welbrock will be joining me as well. The player interview is uh, senior defensive lineman Elijah Green. He will be joining me. Great interview. I look forward to bringing that one uh, to you, especially. He's he's pretty entertaining. And uh, then, of course, the return of the Bearcats, according to Eli. Now, there won't be any predictions this week. We're going to save those until next week. But uh, and, and, of course, Eli and I will also be talking kind of about the uh, about the scrimmage and kind of do a recap and, and do some other things uh, next week as well. If you're Again, if you're new to the podcast, the Bearcats, according to Eli, is my soon-to-be 11-year-old son. Eli joins me. He did this last season, and we would do MIAA picks. So we'll pick each game, we'll pick a score, and then uh, the score is just kind of for bonus. We just kind of keep track of wins and losses, and uh, and then get to talk smack onto each other as well. So and he'll be he uh, Birdie Buck was his favorite Bearcat player last year. I'm sure he'll be picking one of those, and so lots of lots of fun stuff to talk about. And honestly. It's just fun to get to have uh, my son on the podcast as well. Well, let's take a time out. We will come back. We'll hear the view from the other sideline. Gerard Welbrock will be joining me next to talk of the Fort Hayes State Tigers. Kind of get you caught up on them right here after this on Bleeding Green. Hey, Bearcat fans. This is Mel Churchman, former Bearcat coach. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And 
Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Proud to be joined by the voice of the Fort Hayes State Tigers, Gerard Welbrock. And Gerard, uh, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Talk a little uh, Hayes and uh, Northwest with me. Well, it is certainly my pleasure to be a part of this. And in a way, kind of hard to believe we're doing this already. It seems like summer goes quicker every year and uh, man it's almost upon us but it's always a fun time of the year that's for sure yeah absolutely absolutely is we talk about a big matchup we'll get to we'll get to the bearcats and the tigers here in a minute i, w- I want to talk about Hayes because um you know last season didn't go the way i think anybody thought from Hayes or even outside of Hayes thought it would go five and six first uh, losing season since 2012 and you know right now everybody's kind of talking about josh lynn and and you and Nebraska Kearney, but before that, everybody was talking about Chris Brown and what he had did at Hayes as kind of the the impressive rebuild job that he did out there. Well, man, last season, and and I think the quarterback uh, Chance Fuller kind of talked about it at media day. Is is maybe hey maybe we all, including Hayes, thought that they were better um, than they were last year. I don't know. What are kind of your thoughts and and opinions on last season? That is probably a fair explanation. I think they're. I think there are a lot of factors. Teams are coming off COVID, and you just didn't know how things teams are going to respond. And I think I, I do think that that had an adverse effect, just in the sense. I mean, Chris had built his program a certain way, and expectations, and how they did things. And then you take a year off, and you kind of get back into the flow. You you lose some players. I mean, I know they had an offensive lineman got he he went up to Missouri State. He got plucked up, and then it's a great opportunity for him. So then you're trying to replace that. And it just, so there's a lot of variables. I don't think anybody could knew what was going to happen and to deal with. And I just think like just the, the year off, I know Fort Hayes played no games during the COVID year. Um, they had a couple of scrimmages. They, they lost a key offensive lineman in one of the scrimmages who didn't play last season and, and is back this year. And I think that's going to make a big, big impact on the offensive line. But I think you add all those factors into it. And then, you're right. Fort Hayes State probably just wasn't quite as good. I think they lost their edge. I mean, they played with an attitude. I mean, you mentioned the rise of Fort Hayes State, and I'm guessing most teams would say, man, they play physical. They mm-hmm. play hard. They get after it. I didn't sense Fort Hayes State did that last year. I know Coach didn't sense they did that at all last year. So it almost felt like they lost their identity and what had made them successful in years past. And uh, I think it just all kind of snowballed. And then and you know the MIAA, I look at Washburn as a great example. I mean, they were obviously had a great season, a great team. But look at all the close games they won. And that's how Fort Hayes had been the two years they won the conference championship. They won about every close game. Last year, lost about every close game. And, I mean, there's going to be five or six that hang in the balance every weekend. You win them, you got a chance to win a league title. You don't, you won't. And I think that was, was kind of the season. And then it snowballed. And then I think just, you know, the, you know how it works with players and just, the, you know, feeling sorry for yourself, whatever it may be. I just think it all kind of lended hand in hand and uh, it was uh, too much to overcome in the end. Well, yeah, those one, four of the six losses were by one score. And yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. So That's... many games they had the lead and the ball couldn't get a crucial first down and then gave up the lead and just couldn't overcome it. That, that seemed like it was a 
broken record every weekend. Well, and offensively, I mean, stats-wise for the season, you know, bared out pretty well. But but I think, you know, so many of us, you know, I'm coming at it from a Bearcat perspective here, but, you know, looked at Chance Fuller and thought, man, that's a that's the best quarterback in the MIAA, you know, going into uh, going into last season. And, and, I mean, he didn't have a bad year. He didn't have the type, you know, he didn't uh, really follow up 2019, I think, like a lot of people thought. And, and kind of how, you know, he, uh, in, in the – three games where he threw more than one interception in a row and three. I mean, there, there's kind of that. The defense was mm-hmm. what it was, but, um, you know, what, you know, and so definitely I think a lot of us looking at, at, I think Chance Fuller and I think Hayes in general, you can look at how the, the media polls were, right, the the coaches and, and media preseason polls. Hayes is definitely a, a more of an under-the-radar team this season. No doubt. And, I, they, in fact, it's funny, I hate to think, Hey, look at me! But it turned out the top five or six is how I picked them, and and then I think four days is right where they deserve to be after last year. But you have a lot coming back. You return. I, I agree. One of the best quarterbacks in the conference, and I, he didn't play as well. I don't think he'll he'd be the first to tell you that. And he probably because he's the ultimate competitor and team player um, will say it's on him. It wasn't all on him, and, and you know. You know how it is. Unfortunately, the quarterback gets the credit and the blame. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, some of those interceptions, he made the right play. He had a receiver, either quit on a route, didn't run the right route. There were a lot of other factors that led to the pick that he he actually made the right play, but it shows up as an interception. So the receiving core struggled last year. Offensive line at times struggled last year. So I think it's it was a lot more than just chance had a down year. And he would admit he didn't play as well as he should have or needs to, but it wasn't all him. It was, trust me, there was a lot of, a lot of blame to go around in a lot of different areas. They're hoping they've alleviated and corrected some of that going into the season. Time will obviously tell in that regard, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I think they're picked where they probably should be, which I think Chris Brown loves it. He, he, he wishes they'd have been picked eighth or ninth. And then, you know, obviously he's the master motivator and he'll use that for that and to get his troops fired up. But I think it's a, it's a fair slot. I think they can finish better than, than what they're picked in the preseason. But again, it comes down to they're going to have to win the majority of their close games. And I think you could say that about almost every team in the MIAA and those that do in Northwest, that's what, amazes me how consistent they've been in winning those type of games year in year out it's why they're always right there battling if not winning the miaa title Uh, that's not easy to do but that's the reason because there's so many games and you you just lose one or two of them and that's the difference of finishing first or second or fifth or sixth and you're out looking in when it comes to postseason well, and you know, like I say, quarterback gets all the plaudits on offense, but I mean, he's got an all-American tight end back in Hunter Budkey, Manny Ramsey is top receiver and and one of the I think underrated backs in the conference, especially for for a guy that can also catch the ball really well out of the backfield, Adrian Soto. So I mean, there's there's a lot, you know, as a as I was kind of looking through the teams and and this is I think I picked Hayes fifth or sixth in in my poll and you know as I was looking at it you know kind of since then I've kind of went over and become maybe more familiar with the rest of the teams I'm thinking man you know they there's there's a definitely a lot back especially on the offensive side of the ball yeah no doubt and I think some of the problem they had some injuries too as the season wore on and I kind of forgotten a little bit about it I mean you're a part of it you know it's there but then just looking back at going to practice this year and in the preseason camp, but okay, this guy's back off of injury. This guy's back. You know, Manny Rams is a prime example. 
he battled a hamstring a good chunk of the year. He was not the same receiver he was uh, the season before. Um, so I, there was a lot of that. Then eventually he didn't play toward the last couple of games. And, and they just didn't have the depth to overcome that. And and you mentioned Soto. I agree. I think he's a great running back and, and, and really elusive and good speed, great out of the backfield, catching the ball. I felt the running game last year was not at all. In fact, I don't think Fort A. State's had the type of running game they would like since the last playoff year in 2018 with Kenneth Iheem's last season. I mean, I, I, there's so many times last year, and I went back and looked, and the numbers weren't as bad as I thought as far as like third and short and, and being able to run for a first down, but you just never felt consistently, and I think the coaching staff lost confidence it's third and one, third and two. We're just going to line up and we're going to ram it down your throat and get a first down and move on to the next series of plays. I don't know that there was ever that feeling among the team and among the coaches that they could consistently do that. And I think that lended to losing some close games where now you're trying to throw the ball and you maybe have an incomplete pass and now you're punting as opposed to just running the clock out, picking up two or three first downs. You don't get the ball back. I think that was a problem. So I think Hopefully, Adrian's another year older, another year stronger and bigger in his development. They, they've added a junior college running back who came in last spring and, and has really taken great strides. It's some young guys in the program they're hoping can help fill that void. But I just feel uh, the running game, I think it all starts there. And you can't run and be solid up front and, and do that. It's just hard to be consistent on offense. And I think the offensive line, too. Ted Hessing got hurt in one of the scrimmages during the COVID year, missed all of last season. He's back. He was a bigger glue to that offensive line than I think even most people thought. And just seeing him back gives them a little attitude. One of the bigger offensive lines they've had. So I think that's going to help them a lot. And we'll see if it, it does translate when they get to playing games. But I think that group has a chance to be better than they've been, maybe as good as they have been. And, and if that happens, I think this offense can kind of head back to where they had been when they were putting up big numbers and among the best in the MIAA. Well, and the one thing we know about Coach Brown is kind of like with, you know, with, with Coach Wright at Northwest is you just always know the teams are going to have a good defense. And, uh, you know, last season the defense was still really, really good, just I think third in the MIAA and 20.7 uh, giving up 20.7 points a game. Um, how's that side of the ball looking, especially up up front? I mean, I think that was maybe a question mark um, for this year. How, how's that been developing, and is it is it looking to be kind of a typical uh, Chris Brown defense? Well, it'll be a question mark until they start playing games. And that is, you're right, it's a big question mark. They had some injuries in the secondary, had a few guys who could have come back for a sixth season, opted not to, they graduated. I think on the back end, they feel they've replaced some of them. One of them, Will White, who's been a mainstay, he got hurt. Um, he's back and healthy, and, and they're looking for big things out of him. They had some young guys, and you know, played a little bit, but I think they're confident in, in the back end of the defense because of some of those injuries. Got some valuable experience uh, going into this year. But the front end, you're right. The, the front four, um, a lot of inexperience, a lot of youth. It's a young defense, but I think. They're excited about the core, and not just for this upcoming season, but the next several seasons, what this defense can become. I think it's got a chance, if they stay healthy and players develop like you hope they do, of being a Chris Brown, Fort A. State, rock-solid defense like we've seen in years past when they were contending for titles. But again, they're young right now. There's going to be some 
growing pains with that, I believe. And in the, the front four is where they're really young. They graduated a lot and just you know had to deal with some injuries up there. So that's the big question mark. How will they perform? Uh, they, you know, a local kid, uh, Gavin Hazelhorse started Hayes High, went to K State. Uh, they tried to move him the linebacker, it just didn't work out. And so he he's back in Hayes. I think he's a huge, huge get. And but he hasn't played defensive end for a couple of years, and I think he's trying to learn that all over again. And and once he does, I think he's going to be a big, uh, a big cog. You know, and I don't know how he'll play when the Tigers and Bearcats because it's you know first game. He hasn't played a football game in quite a while. He redshirted at K State, but didn't play it all last year. But um, he reminds me of a Seago-like player, and he was a defensive player of the year. Now, he's got a long ways to go, and he's only a freshman. But you can see some some of the attributes there. And so I think they feel they've got some guys like that in the program, but they're young. So time will tell, and you know, you're going to be thrown right in the fire against Northwest right out of the gate. So I think they feel the defense has potential to be really good, but obviously until you get out there and play – and they're with, with youth, you know it, there's going to be ups and downs. But I think the defense, before it's all said and done, has a chance to be pretty good before the year's over. Well, and, and, and special teams, I mean, kickers specifically, you know, from, from the days of, of Dante Brown, it just seems like for a number of years, um, you know, that, you know, Hayes has always had, had a pretty, pretty solid special team, specifically a really good kicker. How's, how's that side of the ball coming along? Well, that was a. It's funny how you know when you when you have a good kicking game, you maybe take it for granted. When you have a bad one, it, it's like the most glaring weakness on the team. And unfortunately for Fort A State, it was it was bad. I mean, I don't know that there was always confidence an extra point's going to be made. To be, I mean, it sounds blunt, but uh, I mean, you, and I think you look at some of Fort A State's teams or defense have always, and that was one of an issue too. I think they they didn't have nearly the takeaways they've had in years past. But in years past, they got a takeaway. They're going to score in some capacity. They may only move the ball 20 yards, but now we're in field goal range. And either Brandon Brown or Dante Brown or Drew Reed before uh, him, uh, they were all going to kick field goals. And you're going to get at least three. And just how demoralizing that is. And I, they didn't have, I don't, you know, just, they didn't have that last year. Um, and I think they feel they, they got a freshman kicker from Dodge City, Emmanuel Aguilar. I, I watched him kick a little bit in high school. And, I mean, he's the best leg they've had, obviously, since Dante. And it's, and it's been one, two years. But I think they've got a chance to – the kicking game is going to be much improved. Let's just say that. He's obviously still learning a lot. He's just a freshman. But um, you can already see um, the ability to – I mean, from 40 in, you feel, you feel confident he's going to hit it. You don't worry about extra points, and I think he's just only going to get better and better and better. He's got a he's got a good strong leg, and I think once he learns the fine art of kicking, uh, once he gets you know a little more more coaching, he's got a chance to be a really really good kicker that's going to fit right in line with the Dante Browns and the Brandon Browns and the the O'Briens before him. But uh, it's funny how we were talking about it uh, just our broadcast crew during the season how. Man, when your kicking game struggles, it's amazing what that does for your entire team's psyche sometimes. And, and I think you, you got a sense that they're, they don't worry about that anymore, and that's always a good thing. 
Yeah, well, we know all about that at Northwest. That was a big struggle well, last yeah, exactly. year. Exactly. I mean, you I know? remember when the two teams played, we're joking about, man, this might be the worst matchup in kicking in the in the country, and then it kind of was. Yeah, yeah, and so we, you know, there's been a couple guys brought in um, for the Bearcats, and so yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, there's there's some improvement there, but. Yeah, as as we as we look at here at the at 2022, you know, kind of at that 11 game schedule, uh, you know, everybody's either you've got five games at home or six games at home. Hayes last year had had the what looked like a more favorable schedule, six games mm-hmm. at home. They went two and four in those games, and now this year some really tough matchups on the road. I mean, you got the you got the top three teams basically. I yep. guess depending on how you look at it, and throw three of the top four anyway with Northwest, Kearney, and Pitt all on the road. Got to go to Emporia. That's always a tough place to play. Central Oklahoma got Hayes at home last year, and so um, you know that. I don't know what as as you're kind of looking overall. I mean, what are what are your expectations? And I mean, do you, do you think is is Coach Brown really relishing that they're kind of picked middle of the road and thinking maybe. You know they can surprise some people this year. I think so. I mean, I think he. Yeah, like I said earlier, I think he. If they're picked lower, he would not be disappointed at all. He'll use that as motivation. But I think it's fair. I mean, with what you, how you did last year, what you have back, and just everything, I think it's a, a fair slot. You know, you talk about the road games. Uh, I, I think for a stretch, when Fort A State was making their climb, they were a better road team for whatever reason than a home team. So hopefully they kind of get back to that. And, and last year, obviously they, they struggled at home for, for whatever reason. A lot of those close losses came, came at Lewis field, but uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think he cares. You know, every game's going to be tough. Got to play well home or on the road. So I don't think he makes a big deal about that, but yeah, I think they like where they're sitting and um, you know, just let's go. And I just think they're, you know, the old one game at a time, but let's just go out there and play our brand of football, play the way Fort Hayes State played. And, uh, you know, you hope you're in the game in the fourth quarter, and then let's go make some plays and win a football game. I think that's your folks are, they're going to take that year because it just felt like last year that, that, that wasn't quite there. Well, and let's talk about the matchup between these two teams. Obviously, the last two times that Hayes have, have played in Maryville, they won in 17 and 18. And then Northwest had kind of flipped it the last couple of seasons, winning out in Hayes last year. And then that double overtime kind of classic in, in 2019. You know, that that's a tough – I mean, it's a tough one, obviously, for both teams. And I, and I think both coaches have such respect and, and, and uh, you know – they like each other so much, um, you know that neither neither one. I don't think there's a there's really a threat of Northwest of, of Hayes really sneaking up on Northwest. But I think looking at this game, it I don't really. I mean, it just looks like another one of those kind of slugfests to me. I agree. I mean, the last four years, I mean, has there been a better game in the conference in Fort Hayes and Northwest? I mean, really. I mean, you look at the the battle. I mean, it's been awesome. I mean, it's been so much fun and the great games coming down to the wire. And I didn't think last year's game at Hayes was probably as good of a game. I mean, I think the team probably played their best, but it was still a very entertaining game basically came down to the end. Um, so it's been great football in a way. It's too bad. That's the season opener because someone's going to be in a bit of a hole right out of the gate. And in this league, that's challenging, but it's also exciting and obviously a great you talk about trying to get your focus laser sharp to start the year. I mean, when you have Northwest right out of the gate, that's certainly the case for Fort Hayes State. But you're right. There is such mutual respect. I know both coaches really get along. They really like each other. I know they talk a lot during the regular season because they're friends. And uh, I, I agree. I mean, I, especially going into the first game, you just you never know 
you know, especially at this level, what, what everybody has, how they're going to play, you know, what newcomers are going to make an, an impact. And it's the first game. So it, it's always challenging to know, but I think you're right. I mean, I think it's got a chance to be like they've been the last several years. And, and I think if it is, Fort A State will take that and then take their chances of trying to make a play or two to find a way to, to win the football game because that's that's how they've been the last few and it's been so much fun to be a part of and and I guess time will tell but I think you're dead on I think it's got the got the potential to be a a close one and should be a fun football game well and if Hayes is, is going to come to Maryville and pull off the upset I mean what are the kind of the keys and what are some of the things you think are, are they're going to have to do or, or is going to have to happen for that to happen I think I have to run the ball better than they, they did last year and really at any point last season. And we talked about that earlier with the running game. I think they feel they're better. I think they feel they're better up front uh, on the offensive line. I think you have to be able to to run the ball. I think that was the difference. I mean, you look at Northwest last year, I thought their running game was maybe the difference of them doing what they did for the entire season. Four days didn't have that. Uh, and when four days was good, they could do that. And, and so – uh, they, to me, if they can't run the ball consistently, it's going to be a challenge because once you become one-dimensional, we've seen that before. It's it's tough. It's tough to be, especially against really good teams like Northwest. It's tough to to be effective. And then um, you know the defense, you can't give up big plays because Northwest. I mean, you're doing well, you're getting stops, and then bam, bam, bam. You look up, you've given up two or three scores, and now you're in a world of hurt. And and and. By and large, Fort A State's done a good job here in recent years against the Bearcats in not in not giving up those big plays and and you know getting stops and giving yourselves a chance. They're going to have to be able to to do that again because um, I mean we've all seen you know, these Bearcat team gets gets rolling offensively. Uh, they could be tough to stop, and you know you got a veteran quarterback. All those all those factors going into it, it it'll be a challenge for a for a young defense and for many guys kind of uh, tasting all of that for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Gerard, as always, I appreciate you coming on with me and and uh, best of luck uh, to Hayes. Uh, maybe not in Maryville, but uh, but the rest of the way this season. <laughs> Certainly understand. Hey, it's my pleasure. It's fun to always talk Fort Hayes State and Bearcat football. And a big thank you to Gerard Wellbrock, voice of the Fort Hayes State Tigers, coming on here to join me once again this year and talk uh, talk some Tiger and Bearcat football. First matchup of the season, and it's a night game under the lights, September 1st. Bearcat Stadium, I can't wait. It's going to be exciting, and and I, I'm a little higher on Fort Hayes than than maybe a lot of people are. Um, now that being said, I think the Bearcats are going to win. You get my score prediction on next week's podcast. But um, the reason I think that is one, I think this Bearcat team is better. Although I think Hayes could potentially be a sleeper team. They've got to have uh, you know better. They got to be better offensively. Starts with Chance Fuller. I feel like. But the amount of respect that coaches Wright and Brown have for each other, I think, you know, Hayes' best bet early in the season is to kind of sneak up on teams, and I don't think they're going to do that to the Bearcats. I think Rich Wright is going to have this team prepared, and, you know, there there won't be any taking anything for granted or, or anything like that. It's not to say we could we lose. Well, yes, anything can happen, but um, that's just kind of what I see. Um, speaking of that, I, I kind of want to go through the schedule. That's something I guess I haven't done and, and just kind of talk about what I see for this Bearcat team. And now, you know, it's, these are kind of my, I guess, er, way too early predictions. I've only seen one practice. Yes. I've talked to a lot of people and kind of got, you know, people's uh, opinions on and off the record, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I, 
in, in my opinion, may change next week <laughs> a little bit when I come on here on the podcast and talk uh, after seeing the green and, and white game. You know, there, there's plenty of uncertainty, I think, with this team as far as maybe, you know, who who will those 22 guys be that are the, that are the starters on both sides of the ball? Um, there, there's going to be some inexperience. I don't necessarily call it youth because even as you look at redshirt sophomores that have kind of went through COVID, typically, the, you know, the year, if you're looking at years in the program, those would be juniors, you know, juniors that had redshirted. So it's really their fourth year in the program at this point. And, you know, I think those guys know how things are going. But but as Coach Wright says, it's, it's different once the bullets are flying. Um, as I look at this team, one thing I'm not concerned about is talent. I think this team you know, talent-wise is on par with what you would expect out of the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats, to be quite honest with you. It's just who are going to be the guys at receiver, right? I mean, you know, I mean, no, they have the, the you know, the three guys that are going to start, but uh, but there's a lot of other guys that could figure in, you know, as, as some of the transfers maybe get up to speed and get some game time and things, um, you know, that's going to be interesting. I know there's a lot of questions about the quarterback position, if I'm being 100% honest, it's a position I don't really worry about. Um, you know, Both guys have, 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 up to this point anyway, from what I've heard, have had really good camps. Um, are they different quarterbacks? Sure they are. Um, you know, But I, the coaches are going to play the best guy. You know, It's not like one, one guy's going to outplay the other one and then he's going to get benched for some reason. It'll be interesting to see kind of how snaps shake out. And uh, I do plan to have Coach Wright on the on the podcast next week, as long as we can work that out and, and kind of talk a little bit more about that, about the whole team, especially after, you know, after we kind of see the green and white game, but specifically quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, as I look at this team again, that's, I don't even, I don't worry about that position. I know a lot of people do. I know it's, you know, the potential of playing two quarterbacks or whatever kind of freaks some people out. There's... Um, I'll get into that a little bit with John Coffey later on, but and I've talked about it before. I don't really mean to beat a dead horse, but you know what I'm looking at again is is the playmakers on offense. I think we have them. We have plenty of them. You know, guys in the back end in defense. I don't really worry about the secondary. I think we're pretty good there. We're pretty good at linebacker. Who are those other, um, you know, those other D linemen that are going to figure in? I think we probably end up rotating more guys along the D line because of that youth, where you don't have a you know, a Sam Roberts in there that's not going to come out of the game, um, for instance. So um, so that's just kind of what I look at. As, as I look at the schedule, I think it shakes out pretty well if you're talking about, you know, being able to play um, play young guys, get, get them experience. And, you know, by the time you have your first, what I will probably consider the first real test to where if both teams are undefeated, the Bearcats might not be favored, would be you know, week six at Pitt. But, you know, obviously got Hayes. Yeah, you know, they can they could win that. They could win. Of course they can. But, uh, you know, I think the Bearcats are, are uh, you know, probably it'll probably be a slugfest. I, I expect it to be a close game. But then you've got Lincoln. You expect everybody that's going to travel to Jeff City is going to get an opportunity to play in that game. Central at home, you know, I, uh, I think Lambeau's going to need some time there. I think... Uh, you know, with uh, Jerry Hughes, the athletic director at Central, I th- whether Central fans like it or not, or whatever, I think he's gonna. Ge- I think he's gonna be patient with him. It's it's a tough gig not having 
you know, not having a signing. He was hired after signing day. And so obviously Central wasn't the team last year that we thought we thought they were going to be. So it may take them a few years. But again, you know, I don't look at that as, um, you know, a, a, a real possibility for a loss. Um, at Central Oklahoma, that one's going to be tough. You know, it, you know the the all the talk going into that game is going to be about Coach Doral and uh, and the matchup with him again. Um, I think you know both of those guys, him and Coach Wright, both will be will be primed and and ready to go for that one. But again, I mean that's a game you would expect the Bearcats to win. Same with the following week versus Missouri Western at home. Western's a talented team, but you know. Uh, you can't seem to really, it seems like, put it together. I mean, the the first, I'm not saying none of these games will be close games. These are my way too early predictions, right? As I'm sitting here, um, you know, behind my microphone, kind of looking at things. But that October 8th game at Pitt, I mean, if, if you uh, put me on the spot and said the Bearcats lose one game in the regular season, what is it? To me, it's that game. Um, you know, but the nice thing about that game is you, you, uh, you know, the the young the inexperienced guys I won't even say the young guys the inexperienced guys won't be inexperienced at that point. If you're rolling into that game five and zero, oh, you're you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You got Washburn at home the following week. I think the Bearcats have had that one circled all off season. To be honest with you, I mean that's and and the reason I by the way to back up and talk about Pitt, I mean. Northwest was outplayed in that game last year. It, it was kind of a crazy comeback, and it was amazing. It was it was awesome. Um, you know, it was it, it was an awesome atmosphere, and it was really cool to come back and win it late. Pitt missed the field goal at the end, but uh, but but Pitt looked like the better team, I think, in that game. And then you see had the exact opposite thing in Topeka against Washburn, where Northwest statistically pretty much dominated that game except on the scoreboard and there was you know obviously some missed kicks and turnovers and things like that you know that happened but I think the Bearcats will be plenty motivated for that game at home you have Northeastern State okay again kind of like uh, the Lincoln game everybody's going to get to play you have to travel to Kearney and um, I, I know you know you look at your two toughest opponents probably on paper or Pitt and Kearney and or at least two of the three and you, and you have them both on the road but I, th- I think, uh, you know, I don't know that it'll be 66 to 13 like it was last year. And I'm, I'm sure Nebraska Kearney will be motivated and everything else. It'll be interesting to see kind of what the teams look like at that point. But I mean, I think, you know, I think that's a, that's a game that the Bearcats should win. Um, you know, it seems like they kind of figured out something with, with TJ Davis and, you know, Angelo state kind of took it, took a page out of the Bearcats book in the playoffs to kind of figure something out. Now, I also think not a lot of MIAA teams have the horses that the Bearcat do Bearcats do on defense to be able to do that. You got Southern on Senior Day, and then at Emporia. Emporia is good, but again, another team we just typically kind of seem to have their number. We they haven't beat us since '94, and so um, you know, I don't know. You know, I I see probably a loss in there somewhere for the Bearcats. Could they run the table? Certainly. Again, I I think this team has talent. Do they have the talent to get out of the region? That's the question, right? That's what that's what us that's what the fans want to know. That's what the fans want to see, and I get that. You know, I mean the the you know m- several of the players at media day this year, the captains. I mean, they're talking about the Natty. You know, they're talking about the national championship, and I get that. That's the goal every year in, in Northwest Missouri State. I don't know. I think maybe are the Bearcats a year away? Yeah, possibly. That's that's kind of what I see. Doesn't mean we can't have a great year. Doesn't mean I could be completely wrong, and 
you know, we, we go and win it all this year and there's not going to be a single person happier about that than me because, you know, me and me, me and my green glasses, I, uh, that's, that's just kind of how I see things. And again, my way too early <laughs> kind of prediction for the season and I'll, you know, and, and again, may, maybe I have a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit different, uh, opinions on some different things after this scrimmage, but, um, I just kind of wanted to take a second to kind of run through the schedule, kind of talk about that and what I see my outlook for the 2022 Northwest Missouri State Bearcats. Well, let's take a time out. I'm going to come back with Elijah Green. You know, if you're going to be a defensive lineman and you wear a single digit, you better ball out. Well, Elijah does, and I'm excited to chat with him. He's a great interview. That will be next here on Bleeding Green. Hello, this is former Northwest quarterback Chris Rison, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green, and very happy to be joined by this week's player interview. It's Elijah Green, defensive lineman for the Bearcats. And Elijah, man, thanks so much for uh, for coming on the podcast and taking some time to chat with me. Yeah, thank you. It's just amazing to have the opportunity to uh, come out here and uh, be able to talk with a, a special guy out in the community doing some great things. So I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, that, that's very nice. It was I, I, I was excited to do this, excited to talk to you because we had a nice chat at Media Day. And uh, and so, you know, and talked about the you versus Connor McGregor, some fun stuff. Oh, yeah. So I'm excited to see what we've <laughs> what we've got to talk about today. Oh, yeah. Well, let, let's talk about you. I mean, you know, I think a, a lot of us know you as as Clarence's son, you know, as as uh, you know, and, and but but obviously, so, you know, you're from obviously from Maryville. Talk about growing up. I mean, were were sports a big part of your youth and kind of what what sports did you like playing as, as when you were young? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I was young, um, I think the first sport I played was soccer. And then I, I got immediately kicked out of the league because I was tackling too many people. So I got, got kicked out at a young age. So then my parents were like, okay, maybe something a little more physical is his, his route. So they started me in football, and then that was good. I played that. I played football my whole entire life. But the sport that I really grew to love was boxing. On my box, my, I started when I was in third grade, and then I stopped when I was a senior in high school. Um, so I boxed for a quite long time there, and it was just awesome building a lot of connections. I'm um, in that. Got to meet uh, Floyd Mayweather, um, got to meet Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, big people like that in the boxing community. Um, that I was just blessed to uh, travel various places through that and, and do a lot of things like that. So it was it was a great great thing. Um, a lot of life lessons that boxing taught me as well. So that was probably the most influential sport um, that I've participated in. And so what, what kind of changed with that? Where you, where you, you know, kind of wanted to, to focus on football. Was it to get the opportunity to play after high school? Uh, yeah, that was more so the, the idea of it. Um, I had a lot of, um, it kind of really hit me my freshman year of high school. Um, I had started a couple games in high school and then it was my first year ever playing linebacker. Um, and this kind of a, a side note that a lot of people don't know is I actually came to Northwest to play linebacker and then converted to defensive line. But, um, uh, freshman year of high school, I'd never played linebacker before. And I was playing starting in a varsity game against, um, Oak Grove, I believe it was a playoff game, big game. They had a really, really good running back who I believe played middle linebacker at Pitt. Um, but, uh, 
I had played that game. I ended the game with 13 tackles, and I had no idea what I was doing. Everyone was saying I had a good game, and I was like, I have no idea if I played good or bad. And then um, I had received a lot of college uh, interest. I was a freshman in high school, and I had a, a full ride from North Dakota State and the University of Purdue. Um, and then, sadly, I broke my leg um, that freshman year, and I got my offers pulled. Um but I think that was the first time where I was like, okay, this is something that I could obviously really want to do. And I think it's every young kid's dream to want to play in the NFL. And that was my dream as well. And having those offers that early in high school, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, so it kind of made me lessen my passion for, for boxing and really focus in on football. Okay. Well, let's talk about your high school, your, your high school, your spoof found days. What, uh, do you have any special memories or, or special games other than that, you know, very first Oak Grove game from, from later on, obviously, you know, Maryville's a very successful program. And so you've got, you know, a lot of big wins and, and playoff experience, that kind of thing. But are there certain games or, or moments of certain games that, that stick out to you when you think about your days at Maryville high school? I think the most, um, memorable game I ever played. It was the old St. Louis Rams dome um, used to be where the uh, state championship was at. Um, it's sounding kind of old now because most people probably don't remember us. St. Louis had a football team, but, but yeah, I was in the, in the dome there. Um, and uh, I think I just playing in that stadium on an NFL field, I think was just like surreal. Um, staying in the locker room, doing things like that. Like it absolutely felt uh, like a, like a dream come true. Um, and, and taking that field and I played significant snaps in that game of the state championship my freshman year. Um, that was probably the most influential or probably the, the most memorable experience I've had in high school. Okay. Well, well then it, it, you know, obviously I think we, as, as Bearcat fans, we, we take for granted that, Boy, if Maryville's got a really good player, well, he's of course he's going to come to Northwest. What kind of <laughs> offers were you looking at as as you talked about early on before you broke your leg? But as you're as you're going into your junior and senior years, what what kind of offers were you looking at? What what colleges and universities were you considering? And then at what point was it, you know, you're like I'm going to Northwest? Yeah. So I had. Um... My senior year, I had like they're called gray shirts offers um, from the University of Nebraska and the University of Purdue, where it's you pay for your first your freshman year uh, while you redshirt, and then the rest of your four years is full scholarship. Um, and then I had um, offers from all the schools in MIAA as well. Um, and so I didn't really like the idea of having to pay a pricey tag of uh, out-of-state tuition for Purdue or Nebraska. It was going to be a, a pretty hefty penny. Um, so it kind of made me really focus in on the MIAA. And um, I just felt like, you know, the Bearcats were exactly what I wanted to be a part of. Just a team that is has a culture of success, a culture of winning uh, championships and um, just plays gritty, hard nosed defense, physical offense that runs the ball. And that's a team that that we had in high school. So it seemed like a perfect fit just going from from like a one A to a one B. So I was like, hey, this is perfect for me. Well, and do you remember um talking to coach Wright during that recruiting process, because you, like you said, you were recruited to be a linebacker. Yeah. And so I, I don't know, like some people have some interesting, um, you know, I mean, coach Wright's a pretty passionate guy. I mean, were there certain things that he talked to you about? I mean, did he get you really fired up? Like, yeah, I got to play defense for this guy. Yeah. So originally I was offered by uh, coach Doral. Um, my junior year of high school, I was offered by coach Doral and then kind of when the head coaching changeover occurred and everything, I didn't know what was going to happen, you know, cause certain coaches like certain guys and then coach Wright actually increased my offer. And he was like, man, I, 
I would love to have you here. We love having like a physical Mike linebacker that can scrape over the middle and just blow people up. And that I remember sitting in his office listening to him talk about that. And I was I can remember my skin was crawling. I was like, I just can't wait to put on the helmet and get out there. So obviously, yeah, like you said, he's a very uh, intense guy, motivational guy. So I was I was itching to get out there. Well, and what point was it in in you know in in your time at Northwest where you uh, you were approached to, to play defensive line? Yeah, so it was my spring semester of my freshman year. I think we had um, two D linemen, two interior defensive linemen transfer, and then one quit. So we only had, I believe, three interior defensive linemen on the roster. So Coach Wright knew he needed D linemen bad, and because he didn't even have it too deep. And um, he asked me because I was the biggest linebacker. He's like, hey, would you ever want to switch to D-line? He was like, you could literally just be in there. You'd be at two. So I was like, yeah, if anything gets me on the field fastest, I'll definitely do it. And if it helps the team, I'm uh, all the better. Um, so I did that and then kind of never looked back. Obviously, there was a significant weight increase that had to come with that <laughs> as well. But um, Joe Q got me on a, on a seafood diet. So it was just if you see it, eat it. And then we got it on <laughs> and put it on the right way. Well, and, and so, so talk, so run us through last year a little bit. Cause I think last year that was, I mean, I, I knew you were on the team. You, you had, you know, you'd played some, but going into last season, I, you know, I had really heard things, you know, and that was about the time I was maybe paying a little more attention rather than just the casual fan. I started doing this podcast and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you had a spectacular fall camp and basically played your way in to the, to the rotation and, and to be a starter on the defensive line, R- run me through kind of the summer before last year and then going into fall camp, what are some of the things you did? I mean, did you have expectations for yourself? Um, was it extra work that you put in? I mean, what, what were some of the things that were going through your mind to say, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make them, make them play me. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so at that time, obviously we had Sam and Zach who were very, very good interior players. Um, so, and I played interior defensive line as well. So Coach Wright kind of approached me and was like, hey, we might try to move you at defensive end and just see how you fit out there because we want to get our best four out there regardless of, you know, position. So if you can kind of learn that position, that would help you all the more. Um, so had to kind of lose a little bit of weight being from an interior guy to an, uh, now a defensive end. So that was the process. And then really just a lot of Film study of watching guys like Colin Bevins, uh, Matt Longacre, uh, Austin Eskew, uh, guys like that that I've played defensive end and played at a super high level um, and just learning what did they do in certain certain situations and why do they do those things. Um, meeting with Coach Wright constantly that summer and fall, uh, just trying to prepare my mental side of it because I knew physically I was ready to play, but mentally I thought I wasn't ready to play. So I knew I needed that mental bolstering of my football IQ and then, yeah, just doing as much film study and, and technique work with coach right as I could. And then, um, it kind of all, all was on showcase that fall camp. Yeah. Well, and, and now, you know, you come into your senior season and, 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 you know, you're a captain and what, what does that mean? I mean, is it, is it special to you to, to be named captain for this season? Yeah, it is. I think it's always an amazing thing, you know, if uh, your peers kind of look at you as as one of the top leaders of the team. And um, it's kind of something that, you know, 
I never really asked for, I was never really like in search of, um, but I just kind of had the same process every single day that like, whenever I go into the weight room or the football field or, or anything with my teammates, I approach it the exact same as like, I'm going to provide energy for these guys. I'm going to support these guys. And most importantly, I'm going to serve and love these guys every single day. Um, because there's a lot of guys out there on the team that necessarily, you know, like that are maybe going through injuries or they're going through other things that are just life problems. And I feel like if you show those guys like, Hey, I'm here for you. Is it like life is bigger than what this game could ever give us? Um, I think teammates can kind of really recognize that and they, uh, they'll gravitate towards those type of people. Yeah, that's good. Well said, well said. Well, so, so I know, you know, we've got a whole season to play here, but, but, you know, if you take just a second to kind of think about what life after graduation looks like, what are kind of your plans and, and what do you think you'd like to do after, after you graduate? Yeah. So I think what I would like to do is, um, medical sales, um, is kind of my route. So I'm a major in chemistry with a minor in business. Um, so that's kind of my route for it. I'm in the process of kind of that interview process all summer, trying to gain experience and, and bolster my resume all the more. Um, so yeah, just kind of going throughout that process. Um, right now, actually, actually, I have a call for an interview for a medical sales job uh, right after this. So um, yeah, uh, just some things like that. Uh, kind of really flexible on where I can go or anything. I don't necessarily have an attachment to any place. So that's a good thing of it. Just trying to keep my options open and my eyes open for for whatever's out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I'm I'll wrap this one up, Elijah, like I do every one. I've got the pick six, just kind of six fun questions. Are, are you ready? Um, yes, sir. All right. First question is always the same. Do you have any pregame rituals? Uh, super, are you a superstitious guy? Do you have to wear the same socks or anything like that? I don't think I'm necessarily a superstitious guy. Um Oh, that's a good question. I think my only pregame ritual, I like to dance before the games in the locker room. So that's always that we'll get some good music on. And then me and me and Zach, especially, will always be dancing. It's just like I think sometimes in the game you can get wrapped up in the heat of the moment. And it's just like, man, we're just here to most importantly, we got there. We have fun and play loose and play free. Um, so I think just kind of letting loose and playing and just being having fun with the guys before the game. All right. All right. Question two. Who's the funniest guy in the locker room? The funniest guy in the locker room. Oh, that's a great question. I think it'll probably be uh he's a redshirt freshman D lineman. His name's Cooper Berry. Um, he's probably the funniest guy on the team. He has stories for days and he he can just get me rolling. All right, all right. Third question. There's a lot more options to eat in Maryville than than there was 20 years ago when I was at Northwest. What's your favorite place to eat in Maryville? Oh, my favorite place to eat, probably Happy Garden, honestly. I love Chinese food, and I was down bad when they were closed for, for that month. So I'm, I'm so happy they're back open because that is my favorite place to go. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay, fourth question. What's your favorite sports movie? Mm, that is tough. I think it's probably, um, I believe the name, The Little Giants. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved that movie growing up. I don't know why. It's kind of a goofier uh kids movie but i loved it so much i thought i watched it continuously over and over again all right fifth question who has the best nickname on the team the best nickname oh probably brayden does so when he was a freshman 
Um, he kind of had longer hair, and Coach Wright would joke that he looked like Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> so um, uh, Coach Wright would call him Ellen. So some every once in a while, it's kind of fizzled out now, but every once in a while, we'll still call him Ellen. So I think that's a, that's probably my favorite one. Oh, it's back now, for sure. <laughs> After this, it's it's back. Um, okay, last question, a little more on the serious side. So, so when your playing days are over at Northwest, what do you want people to remember about Elijah Green, the football player? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, the thing I want people to remember most is just that I'm just for the guys, that I just want to serve them, love them, um, and portray Christ to them as much as I can every single day. Um, that's kind of all of our biggest motivation, uh, all of us as captains, um, is just to serve these guys and put them in the best position, not to only be great football players, but to be better men. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of that would be my legacy if I feel like uh, I would want to leave. Perfect. Well, Elijah, I appreciate you taking time to uh, chat with me and, and looking forward to seeing you guys out there on the field soon. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Again, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's always, always a, a blessing when our, our paths cross. So I uh, thank you. And that was a lot of fun. I knew it was going to be from the moment I talked to Elijah down at media day this year. I knew once I got him on here, we we're going to have fun and, and the pick six and all, all of that stuff. And it's such, it's such a cool story. I mean, it's such a cool story and everything and his journey and, and, you know, being a Maryville kid and, and also, you know, his dad, Clarence, the interim president at, uh, at Northwest right now. And of course was a Bearcat football player. The one thing I didn't get a chance to ask him, I, man, I really wish I would have, is if he's turned that into maybe like a, some kind of special VIP parking pass or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, hey, Elijah, maybe that's something you should, uh, <laughs> you should look into if you don't have that yet. Next week, I have a really special interview because it's somebody heavily involved in the football program, but not a player. It's actually Parker Schmitz, the creative video director, and he's somebody that I've wanted to get on for a while. And I'm a big fan of, if you follow me on social media, you know, I'm always ranting and raving about his, um, you know, hype videos and the weekly videos and stuff from camp and during the season and in the off season, all kinds of fun stuff. He is incredibly talented, does amazing work. And we have a really fun chat that you hear next week, kind of on the season opening, um, special season opener episode of, uh, of Bleeding Green. But that's that's definitely a fun one, and I, I really look forward to, to bringing that to you. Well, now we're going to go into the press box here, but first we're going to take a time out. My chat with John Coffey next here on Bleeding Green. Hi, this is Xavier Oman, former Northwest Bearcat. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Pleased to be joined by the voice of the Bearcats on the Bearcat Radio Network, John Coffey. And and John, uh, thanks so much for for coming on. It's exciting that we've. It's almost time to have some have some football to talk about and watch again. Yeah, it really is. It seems like the summer just flew by, but I think everybody's looking forward to that home opener and really a chance to uh, open up the season at home last year, of course, in uh, East Kansas. But uh, there's something about having the season opener also be the home opener, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, and it's fun. Like, one, I, I think the the atmosphere is just different under the lights at Bearcat Stadium, and then you throw in the fact that it's a Thursday, it's the home opener. I think it's just, you know, you look back in, in the past. I mean, it's been a while since we've had a home opener on, you know, under the lights, but it is, uh, I don't know, it's it's kind of nice, exciting. I think it's just kind of a, a different atmosphere. Yeah, it is. And it's uh, something, well, when you look, think about it, just every home game's a, a nice atmosphere for Bearcat football. But there's something a little bit special about those Thursday night home games, and uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. 
Well, kind of, you know, I want to talk just kind of in passing, at least mentioned last year, you know, obviously it was, you know, healthy quarterbacks were something that were kind of in short supply last year, but overall a very successful season for the Bearcats, just the one loss at, at Washburn, which, you know, a game that I think, you know, statistically said, Hey, we outplayed them, just had some breaks and turnovers and missed kicks and things not go our way. And, and not in the way, I don't think anybody on the team or the fans would have liked, but overall, you know, it was an outright MIAA championship for, for coach Wright in his first of, of his tenure, although they had some, you know, some co been co-champions a couple of times, but, um, you know, uh, overall a nice season to look back on and, and, you know, if you look at it overall, but boy, a lot of, you know, as we're, as we're going into this season, looking at it, boy, a lot of the, a lot of players, you know, we got a lot of new guys, a lot of pretty big, uh, you know, senior class, a lot of that COVID year kind of gave us a lot of extra guys, uh, sticking around last year. And, and, uh, you know, but I think overall, I think they can, you know, hopefully go into this season with a little bit of momentum. Yeah, I do too. Again, it's going to be fun to see some of the new guys come into the program. They've uh, been there and uh, learned, and I think it's uh, their time to shine and uh, it'll be a, a very nice situation to see them. But uh, again, you've got some uh, good veterans to uh, build around too. So I think it's going to be a very good mix. Well, and you know, we started quarterback, right? Whether, whether it's, it's Mikey Hohensey or, or Braden Wright, I think either way. And I think, you know, I'd, I'd be shocked if both guys don't get some snaps um, when the home opener happens at Hayes, but who knows what happens between now and then just having both of those guys healthy, um, you know, to start the season. I mean, you know, I, I think is is a big deal and a big plus. I think any MIAA team would probably be is probably envious of that uh, quarterback situation. Oh, no doubt about that. And I think some people uh, uh, in the criticizing the Bearcats last year really didn't fully understand that, with exception maybe that home opener. Northwest really didn't have uh, a healthy quarterback the entire season. Uh, of course, Braden with his medical situation uh, that uh, really affected him. Although he was able to come back late in the year and uh, contribute, but. Uh, then you had Mike Lindsay playing really on one leg throughout the entire season. So we didn't really get to see uh, the best of Mike throughout the year. And he was just very courageous, the type of season he put together. So if you can keep both of those guys healthy throughout the season, I think there's uh, some advantages to having both of them take snaps. They both have uh, uh, some different skill sets out there that make it uh, uh, tough to prepare for for opposing defenses. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of good things out of both of those guys this year. Well, I think it helps having both those guys back with his young as the skill positions are, um, you know, we have a Trayvon Alexander back, but I mean, he was the fourth receiver. It was hard for him to get on the field, even though he played his way into that fourth receiver. I think I expect big things from him this season, but you know, so many, you know, you kind of look up and down the roster and I know you've been to some practices. I was able to make one. There's just a lot of, um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting once the season starts, once the games start kind of how the, um, you know, how the snaps and plays and touches and things all, all, uh, get doled out. Yeah, it really is. And I think you'll see the first couple of games where uh, the coaching staff's just trying to see who are going to be the players that will be able to uh, step up and make those plays and uh, and then kind of go from there. But uh, I, from what I've seen in practice, I like the enthusiasm that, that uh, the players are exhibiting out there. It seems like they're out there having fun and really uh, – uh, it's been positive what I've seen out of uh, the uh, the new guys coming into the program, or not necessarily new guys in the program, but guys that are expected to kind of step up and take that leadership role this year. So I, I think it's going to be a fun group to watch. Well, and I think I mean that, that's that's kind of where I'm at too. You know, I, I, I and I've talked to some other people who've you know seen some practices, kind of been around the team, and and you know, f from my opinion, I I think I don't think talent's an issue for this team. I think it's just figuring out and plugging in 
the right guys. Yeah, and and I think one thing that Coach Wright has talked about is uh, there's uh, some guys that uh, have been around the program quite a while, but due to uh, missing that season for COVID and, and things for the, their actual playing time that you might expect by the time they get to their juncture in their career uh, has been a little bit limited. So uh, they're still trying to overcome some of that. And again, that's something every team still is dealing with. But uh, uh, again, I, I think uh, this is going to be a, a good group and the, the, the young talent that they have some positions is, gonna, is, in my opinion, outstanding. Well, and of course the defense, I think we all just kind of take it for granted. I mean, I do that we have, we have coach Wright, and we just know the defense is going to be really good. You know, we know guys like Sam Phillips and Isaac Volstead and Zach Howard and Elijah Green and Khalil Smith, you know, are, are back, but uh, you know, I've the group there's, I feel like there's a lot of competition around and they, they really kind of keep, uh, you know, a, a level of competition at practice, which I think, you know, makes guys work really hard. And, and I think, you know, yeah, on defensive t- defense especially, I think we're going to see some young, young guys in class. You know what their eligibility says. Um, you know, have a chance to really step up and, and contribute and, and be really good players. Yeah, I do too. And again, you mentioned some of the experience they have with Green and Howard along the line, but you have some other guys that have seen many, meaningful snaps along the front line and also that linebacking core. Uh, they lost some uh, pretty big uh, name guys last year, but uh, uh, the crew they caught coming back this year all had some cha- uh, chances to get some meaningful minutes last year. I think the big question probably be a little bit on the secondary side, but uh, from what I've seen in practice, uh, it's not uh, a situation where uh, they don't have talent back there. I think it's just a matter of getting uh, snaps for some of these uh, younger guys that haven't played a lot in the back end. Yeah. Well, in special teams, right? I mean, if there was a weakness on this team last year, it was kicker, or at least with the performance of kicker, which I think anyone, including the guys that kicked, w- w- would say that as well. And and having Cole Lamel back, having another year, having Noah Gastelli, even Devin DeRose transfer, another transfer in, I, I thought the practice I went to, he kicked really, really well. Um, you know, having, having Mikey back as the punter and still having kind of Dallas in the wings, I've heard maybe, you know, Cole or somebody else might do some punting as well. It seems like the competition there should drive that group as a whole to be better this year. Yeah, I think it will be. And again, they were pretty young at that spot last year. And I think that uh, showed. And uh, again, a year under your belt has to be a big help for some of those guys that you mentioned. So uh, we'll see some improvement there. And I think, too, again, when you talk about Hollensee with the injuries he had last year, it really was unable to punt. But uh, when you're not putting him back there in that punting position, there's some other options you can run with with his skill set there besides just punting on fourth down. So I think he gives you a multi-threat at that spot when he's healthy. So I think that'll be a big boost to the special teams in that realm. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw it in 2019. I remember a specific play at Arrowhead against Pitt where he had a fake punt for a touchdown. It's That seems like forever ago now with COVID <laughs> and other things. And, and But, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. That does does definitely give you some more options. And and I'll say, back to the quarterbacks, since, since you brought up Mikey, I mean, I've heard that both guys have performed pretty well this fall. I would say in the, in the one practice that I went to, neither guy really looked like, oh, you know, Braden outperformed Mikey or Mikey outperformed Braden. I mean, they, they, uh, they both performed well, but here's the thing, I guess I'll, I'll piggyback off that thought with another thought is that the thing that's nice. I mean, when the thing that I, I think you see between those two guys is such a camaraderie. There doesn't really seem to be a competition. I think 
each guy wants to be the starter, but they, uh, you know, when one, when one guy throws a touchdown pass, the first guy to congratulate him would be, you know, when it's, when it's Braden, it's Mikey and vice versa. And I think that, that certainly helps. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of people don't like, Oh, you know, two quarterbacks could potentially play. That's a, that's immediately a bad thing. I think this is a unique situation specifically because of the relationship those two guys have with each other. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think for that where that pays off too is the fact that both of them have the confidence of the rest of that offense. And, they, and there's not a, a, a loyalty that has to be divided between one quarterback to the other with either the receivers or the offensive line. That they know that I think they really appreciate the way once and right work together. And I, I think, again, like you say, that relationship is what can take a lot of tension out of a, a situation when you're looking at maybe a two quarterback system. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, we got the got the home opener under the lights at, at Fort A State. I mean, when you look at the season, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's typical. I mean, the Bearcats are ranked really high in all of the polls. I, I maybe think some of that is is uh, you know kind of left over from last year. We don't really know. The team is really young. I expect this team to do well. I've you know they were first in the coaches and media polls in the MIAA. Um, you know, what, what do you, you know, as you're kind of looking at this season, what is it you expect out of this team this season? Uh, oh, I think if uh, they uh, perform the way I think they do, if you can keep uh, uh, players healthy, I think they've got a chance to go a long ways, not only in the conference season, but again, through the playoffs. So uh, it's just uh, a lot, same with about every team. And you look at this, if you keep the right guys healthy, uh, they've got a great shot to have a successful season. And, uh, you know, you look at this time the last year, everybody thought it was going to be a battle at the top between Northwest Fort Hayes and central Missouri. And, uh, to, about four weeks into the season, you began to realize that Nebraska Kearney is going to be a team to be reckoned with. And, uh, uh, Washburn was a team that was uh, much better than what I think a lot of people thought. So, uh, like you can take the polls uh, for what they're worth. Uh, I think Northwest is really justified to that ranking that they've had in the polls through the years. But uh, a lot of things play out very quickly to uh, start the season that can uh, change things. Yeah, well, well, I think we'll know a lot more here in, in a little over a week, that's for sure. Well, John, as always, man, I, pr- I appreciate you taking some time for me, and, and I'm sure we'll be having you back on here soon. All right, sounds good. Appreciate it. And that's voice of the Bearcats from the Bearcat Radio Network, John Coffey. And always, as always, appreciate John's time. And, you know, there's there's not many people that have seen more Bearcat, maybe no one that's seen more Bearcat football and Bearcat sports in general. But in, in the sake of this podcast, Bearcat football, than Mr. John Coffey. Just don't challenge him to tennis. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, let's take another time out. The return of the Bearcats, according to Eli, next year on Bleeding Green. Hey, this is Sean Paddock, uh, former defensive line for the Bearcats. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. It's time for the return as we uh, get into these kind of in-season format episodes to the Bearcats, according to Eli. And my son Eli joins me. If you're new to the podcast, something we did last year, we will continue to do our MIAA picks, each team and the score. And and then we'll compare our results at the end of the season. And uh, Eli, thanks, man, for for uh, coming back on. I, I know you're chomping at the bit and and excited to uh, be back on this season, huh? Yeah. 
Yeah. So what, what's your favorite part of doing this? What's your favorite part of, of being on the podcast? Uh, I don't know. Being on the podcast. Being a celebrity, as you say. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, you, you, you were tweeted at a lot last year. I mean, you don't have a Twitter, but I would show you those when people would tweet me asking me about, about you and your predictions. So, um, yeah, you, you think you're a big deal, huh? Yeah. Bigger of a deal than you. It's probably true. That's, that's valid. That's valid. Harsh, but valid. So, uh, you know, this week school started back up big fan of school, right? Don't you just absolutely love school? No, I hate it. (laughs) Harsh, harsh words. Well, the one nice thing about going back to school, though, it means that it's almost football season. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we're going to the uh, the green white game, the scrimmage. That's uh, if if you're or, or maybe we already have, depending on when you're listening to this. If you're listening to this on Thursday, we will be going to that tonight at Bearcat Stadium. They're giving out posters and doing um, uh, players are signing autographs and things like that. Uh, is there something particular in particular that you want to see, Eli, or you're looking for? Um, when you watch this game, you look, you, I know you're looking for a new favorite player, right? Yeah. Are you, are you an offense guy, defense guy? Does it matter? I think I might pick someone from the offense this time. Yeah. Who was your favorite player last year? Brody Buck. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, uh, um, so yeah, so it might be interesting. might be interesting to see maybe, uh, Maybe when we record this next week, you'll have uh, you'll know who your new favorite player is. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, I don't know. Is there anything you want to ask me? Uh yes. Okay. Uh, do you think you're gonna beat me in uh in our pick'em? Yeah. In our predictions. And in our predictions. Hmm. Well, I think the same person will win that won when we played Madden here a week or two ago. Who won that game? Me. <laughs> no, sir. That is, uh, I, I, it was a close game. I didn't go easy on you, and you almost beat me. But you did give me a controller that one of the joysticks didn't work. Oh, no, wait, no, no, that's not fair. <laughs> that's that is fair and true. L2 makes me walk forward. Um, yeah, but I couldn't move. I would throw the ball to my receiver and he there was there were no yards after catch. He couldn't move. So that doesn't count. <laughs> and I couldn't run the ball. Yeah, all right. All right. We'll uh we'll play on my system next and then we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yes, I think I'm gonna beat you and pick him. The only thing you're gonna see is uh me destroying you. <laughs> Okay. Well, all right. Well, uh, that that will uh, remain to be seen, I guess. How do you think the scrimmage will go? I think it's going to be good. I think here's, here is my, my true opinion on that. It's a practice, essentially. It's a scrimmage and practice, and it's one of a bunch of practices that they do this fall. It's one of the few that we as fans get to see. So, um, but I'm excited. I mean, there, there are positions that I'm looking at, you know, I'm really interested to see how the offense does, how the secondary does defensive line, offensive line and our kickers. And so, 
yeah, I, th- I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. Do you have a favorite bear cat of all time? Uh, Xavier Oman, yes. I don't know who that is. I've failed you as a father. That's what uh, he. I've, man, that is that is rough. Well, we're gonna have to remedy that after this uh, <laughs> after this episode of the podcast. But uh, are you uh, are you looking forward to meeting some of the players maybe after the scrimmage? Yes. Talk to Coach Wright. I know Coach Churchma will be there. We saw him and talk and talked to him a few games last year. He'll be on the sidelines a lot this year. Is, do you enjoy being on the sidelines? Yes. It's a way better view. Yeah. See, I think it's harder to see, but it's a different feeling. It's kind of cool being on the, it is kind of cool, isn't it? Being down on the sideline and being, it's a different vibe. It's like you're on the field, but you're not a part of the game. Right. You're not a player, but it's almost like you're, yeah, it's, it's a good time. I, I, uh, I enjoy that. Well, we'll, we'll make sure that we make uh, Colin McDonough get us, uh, get us sideline passes for this season. And, uh, yeah, well, it'll be a good time. Well, Eli, thanks, man, for coming on. As always, thanks for putting me in my place. You do a pretty good job of doing that. And then we'll uh, we'll see. We'll have our first set of predictions uh, next week. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, buddy. We'll have have a good week, and then I'll expect we'll expect a full report back on here of of how the scrimmage went next week as well. Okay. I'll try. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend, my son Eli, and the Bearcats, according to Eli, which, of course, will be in its uh, regular format next week as we uh, go game by game for the MIAA, pick our winners and scores, and then we'll see uh, Yeah, we'll see how, uh, how that goes. Um, I'll, I'll also be in the forum this year, as, uh, once again this year as well, as uh, long as John Dykstra doesn't kick me out. And uh, I did tie him for the uh, for most wins and the best record in the Pick'em last year. So, so what I'm trying to say is, I can only go down. <laughs> I can only go down from here. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And of course, my picks will be the same. So you'll hear my picks here on the podcast. We'll compare them to what Eli says, and and I'm, I'm sure I'll be wrong. The the amazing thing about him and and about I think all of kids that age, if if you're if you're still any type of gamer or if your kids are gamers, the amazing thing is, no matter how they lose, they never stop talking trash ever. <laughs> it's it's just kind of amazing. I don't I don't have that kind of stamina and and uh, and I don't know creativity. I guess I I don't know. Anyway, that's uh, that's always fun. But I want to talk a little bit about here as as start to wind things down and wrap up this episode here is uh, is kind of what this season is going to look like. I've kicked around some different ideas and 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 tried some different things. One of the things I'm going to do is kind of change it up a little bit. Who my guests are from week to week, um, who my Bearcat guest will be. John Coffey will be in that rotation. Most likely John Dykstra from the forum will be in that rotation as well. Uh, Wes Miller, who, uh, you know, if, if you listen last year, John Walker from the from the Northwest Missourian there on campus was on the podcast several times. Wes hopefully will be joining me as well. And so that will just kind of... Uh, you know, be some of the rotating Bearcat guests. I want to change things up. Things seem like some of the episodes kind of got repetitive and it was the same thing. And so we will do that. And we'll also, um, I'm going to try to cut them down a little bit and, uh, and, you know, try to keep it around the 90 minute mark or at least a little bit less than 90 minutes. That seems to kind of 60 to 90 minutes seems to be the kind of the sweet spot for what people want to listen to on a podcast. I've realized that I'm weird and, uh, 
you know, I, I've listened to all kinds of different podcasts, all kinds of different lengths, whatever. And so uh, I, I am a podcast listener as well. And they're not even all sports, all kinds of different things. So, um, but anyway, that's kind of what this season is going to look like. Of course, Eli will be joining me every week. We'll do the Bearcats according to Eli. We'll always talk to someone from uh, the other sideline, right? Usually a play-by-play or beat writer from the opposing team and then someone from the Bearcat side as well. And uh, we'll always hear from one of the players. Probably start with the six captains, go from there. I'd, I'd like to get as many of the seniors on uh, this season as I can as well. So we'll just kind of see see how that goes. Now, I want to talk about next week's episode because it is kind of a special episode. I, I wanted the idea behind it is that you can listen to it on your way to the game if you're going up to Maryville on September 1st, or you can really listen to it anytime. It's kind of, a, kind of a season opener special. Now, I will have or hopefully have Coach Wright on to kind of talk about, you know, different positions and, and what the team and things is going to look like, how fall camp went and some of those things. But I will also have some guests talking about season openers of the past or maybe Fort Hayes State games of the past. Um, just my confirmed guess. I mentioned Parker Schmidt, so I will have him on to talk about uh, all the video and really awesome and, and cool things that he does, which takes a ton of work. And, uh, you know, as as someone who puts in a fair bit of work myself, not anywhere close to what he does. It's it's way easier with no video to do what I do. But, uh, you know, I can sympathize maybe a little bit, a little bit with that. But uh, Coach Zach Martin, wide receiver coach for the Bearcats, will be joining me. Braden Wright, quarterback, will be joining me as well. He's got some, some you know, great memories with Fort Hay State and season openers, uh, home openers under the lights at Bearcat Stadium as well. PA announcer at Bearcat Stadium, Matt Garter, will be joining me as well. And, uh, of course, Eli and I, as the Bearcats, according to Eli, we will go through the entire MIAA schedule, we'll give you our picks, and we will kind of do that each and every week here on Bleeding Green. I also just want to thank you. Thank you so much for for being a part of this. You listening is uh, is what keeps me churning them out. You know, it, it looks like listenership has at least doubled, at least for what I am expecting for this season as, a, as opposed to last, which is kind of why I'm covering some of this stuff. If you're a regular, you kind of know how this thing goes. Otherwise, I think we have a lot of new new folks uh, listening to Bleeding Green, and I definitely appreciate that. If, if you know somebody who you think would enjoy the podcast, whether it's these in-season episodes or the, the off-season interview episodes, which, by the way, really great to kind of go back and listen to and uh, as you have time to do that, especially if you're new to, uh, to Bleeding Green, um, in anything, you know, the, I always say the best form of advertising is word of mouth. And, and I think that's the, the thing. Of course, I'm on social media and all that stuff. But but the biggest uh, the biggest thing, I think the biggest way this podcast has expanded and I think will continue to expand is by you telling other Bearcat fans that you know about it. Have them check out a particular episode or, or, or just whatever. And, and if, if you don't already, would, of course, encourage you to subscribe to whatever um, – you know, whatever the avenue is that you listen to podcasts, whether you go to my website, bleedinggreenpodcast.com, quite a few folks listen to the player on there, whether you're on one of the apps like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify, something like that, you know, make sure you subscribe. If you can, um, if you can turn your notifications on, I'll be honest, I try to turn as many off on my phone as possible. Um, if you want to do that, that's fine. Thursday mornings, usually around by 7 a.m., the episode is out every Thursday morning. It drops before that, and it's different avenues take a different amount of time. It's always up on Spotify, usually by 6 a.m., 
but uh, you know, just kind of something for you to watch out on. If if you can drop it a like, if you can give it a five star rating, whatever it is, would definitely uh, definitely appreciate all that. Check me out on social media as well. My uh, uh, Twitter is at frodaddy eighty four. On Facebook, you can check out Bleeding Green Podcast. Join the group, like that, invite other people to the group as well. And one last thing, one thing I didn't talk about yet is um, I am also participating this season in the D2Football.com uh, Division II Fantasy League. And so there are eight of us that are in the league this year. And if you've been following me on social media, you know that the draft is out there on YouTube. I've always said I have a face for radio, uh, saying I've, I've stole from, from Chris Ward amongst other people. And so you'll see my ugly mug on as, as we did a draft here this uh, this week earlier this week and that's that's finally dropped but it, it's interesting I'll be posting that now I do want to say for Bearcat fans you know some people were maybe disappointed with some of my draft picks I did pick three MIAA players and a Ferris State player none, none of them were Bearcats on my team but uh, that's because um not that I guess I necessarily have to have a reason, but uh, you know, it, it doesn't look like any one guy's going to be the man, at least at the point in the draft. You know, we have several different running backs, several different receivers, and things, and and as of right now, not one uh, clear-cut starting quarterback. And so, um, anyway, I'm sure I will catch plenty of uh, flack for that, and so be it. I'll take it on the chin. But uh, I may throw a little fantasy football talk in occasionally uh, as well. So, well, that's going to do it for this edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and as I always say, go Bearcats! Bearcats!